0: Welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. The first 78 episodes of Fortune's Wheelhouse offer a card-by-card breakdown of occult correspondences and symbolism in the tarot. If you're a new listener, you may want to start there. In this season, we've been leveling up and examining each correspondence system on its own. First, we looked at the seven traditional planets in tarot, and then at the numbers one through ten in tarot, and with this set of episodes, we're doing a deep dive into each of the twelve signs of the zodiac in tarot. Remember, if you're diving in at random and one of us says something utterly opaque, we have lots of resources on our website to help with some of the more obscure esoteric doctrines that we deal in. That website is www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. There are also a couple of other places where you can check in with us online. You can visit Mel at tabulamundi.com and you can visit me at tsusanchang.com. You can also join over 650 smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends at the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook. As you know, each episode we have a giveaway. Last episode, our prize was a poster of the Deccans and the way they correspond to the tarot, and our winner was Joy from Oregon. Congratulations, Joy! In this episode, we're talking about the sign of Taurus. So in keeping with the themes of teaching and learning, which we explore in this episode, we're offering our winner their choice of any one of the four books Mel and I have published. Either Liber Mundi or The Book of Seshet by Mel, or either... Tarot Correspondences, or A Spoonful of Promises by me. Of course, if you'd like any of those books and you don't want to trust to fate to choose you as the winner of this giveaway, you can always order them online. Mel's books are at her site, www.tarotcart.com, and my books are on bookshop.org, Amazon, and various other online retailers. As always, all Fortune's Wheelhouse patrons are Automatically entered in the drawing. If you are not a patron and you would like to be, and why wouldn't you? You can sign up at patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And now here's this week's episode.
1: Soothing orange shades of light inside
0: the folds of my world Drifting in a haze of thoughts. Down a wide angled road on my own. The ocean sky lies overhead. Cloud of wind where we were. Might... Okay, hi everybody. We are back with the second of our zodiacal episodes. This one focusing on Taurus the Bull and its place in tarot we're going to be dealing with astrological significations of taurus and its associated cards principal among those is principal among those is the hierophant and then we'll also be talking about the 5 6 and 7 of pentacles or disks which are the minor arcana of taurus and we'll be talking about the knight of pentacles or prince of disks uh who holds Two decans of Taurus and then the king or knight of swords who holds the last or shadow decan of Taurus. We'll also be mentioning in passing the related planetary and elemental majors. Okay. So, uh, so Taurus is the first of our yin signs. Its polarity is that of night, it's nocturnal, or you could say it's feminine, it is receptive or passive, none of which really sums up exactly what that means. But in terms of those dualities, it's on the nocturnal side. Uh, so that's the polarity. And then the triplicity, the elemental triplicity is the triplicity of Earth, which it shares with Capricorn and Virgo. And then finally, we have the modality or quadruplicity fixed so there are four f- fixed signs um, Taurus Aquarius Scorpio and Leo
1: you could also call them the carubic signs
0: the carubic signs exactly which Associated
1: get with the, the carubs of you know the corners of the zodiac
0: yeah and the watcher stars the royal stars we see those carubic signs kind of manifesting all over all over the tarot mm mm-hmm. mhm I guess because they're really the anchor points of, of our universe at some level. Finally, it's a Venus-ruled sign, of course. So shall we start right in on qualities of Taurus?
1: Sure. Well, we'll say first that the, um, the motto of Taurus is I have. And I'm not giving it up. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I have and I'm keeping it. <laughs> yeah. But what strikes me the most is the the real contrast between Aries and Taurus. I For mean, sure. one is cardinal and fiery and one is fixed and earthy. One is Yang. One is Yin. One is like groundbreaking and one is planting. <laughs> you know, exactly. they, like, they, they both go together and really contrast each other.
0: That's right. And it's interesting that we go straight from fire to earth because, I don't know, I I just sort of contrast it with our sort of Kabbalistic understanding of the world going from fire to water to air to earth. But from Mm -hmm. fire to earth, you kind of go straight from the most volatile, you know, element to the one that's the only one that holds its own form. into a wall. (laughs) Kablam. All right. You know, uh, in the
1: last Aries episode, I said that my kind of, like, funny keyword that I use for Aries is the Enterprise, mm-hmm. as in, you know, the ship, the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. But for for Taurus, it's
0: the potato. <laughs> <laughs> the spud. The homely spud. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. We have two signs of Venus, but the thing about Earth is that it holds its form. It doesn't go anywhere. It is, you know, the the patience and... The stolidity and the the yeah, love—the only element uh, <laughs> that holds
1: a form, actually. Yeah, know. yeah, matter, the love of the so. status quo. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know,
0: it's the most material of material, um, yep. of material signs. I mean, in Capricorn and Virgo, we definitely see a great deal of comfort dealing with matter, but Taurus is matter; <laughs> it's yeah. not going anywhere. And, and as being the
1: earthy side of Venus. Venus expressing through Earth is about pleasures through the senses, mm-hmm. you know, s- sensory pleasures, and and Taurus really connects with sensory pleasures. They they, you know they they do like fine things. They have very good taste. They want things to hold their value. They want to have good food. They they're very tactile. They like things that are soft and and they feel feel good. You know, they they luxury. You know, so that's like. Venus expressing herself through the love of the luxury and of the senses, of the sense
0: pleasures. Yes. When I think of the beauty of Venus in air, it's like the beauty of the law, you know, the symmetry Mm -hmm. and the sort of like rightness. And yes, um, but this is the actual beauty of the world around us and everything that our body cleaves to, you know, everything that makes our body happy and comfortable. Food and music and
1: art, you know. There's a lot of uh, they're collectors and investors too, you know.
0: Yeah, especially of the things. I mean, I think especially museums are tourist places. You know, the things that you can touch above all. I almost think that in terms of music, I think of that almost as more of a Libra side of Libra things thing, because yeah. it's air. Yeah, I, I you
1: suppose know? maybe. Yeah, you're right.
0: You know, but just that love of fine things and you know anything that you can take in, touch, feel. Also, the big difference between between the episode we just did and Aries, you know, this is about not only holding, but unifying and connecting, whereas the last one was, was about separating and destroying. And one of the Terrible things that happens in warfare, of course, is that the previous civilization is destroyed. It's, its works of art, its works of beauty go first.
1: Yeah, all the things that you want to endure. And, you mm-hmm. know, endurance is a really good keyword for Taurus. Mm-hmm. It wants things to endure. It wants things to hold their value. It wants to hold on to things. Doesn't want things to change usually. <laughs>
0: it's interesting because also agriculturally. I mean, this is the most agricultural of signs and yeah, the and bull. fertile. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's sort of like we broke the ground with the iron plow, but you need the bull to cultivate the fields. You need the bull to plant it and, and make fertilize it grow and fertilize it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah in our hemisphere is a really fertile sign you know oh absolutely yeah
1: it's one of the you know signs you would consider fertile for planting
0: Taurus and Cancer above all I think yeah yeah and uh, you know and that's kind of that relationship of the moon in both of them right you know because
1: because the moon is exalted
0: in Taurus oh yeah we didn't do dignities so yeah yeah so uh, Venus of course rules Taurus and the moon is exalted in Taurus the only other thing we have, there's nothing in fall in in Taurus, but we have um, Mars in detriment.
1: So you know, yeah, so that makes sense. You know, Venus ruler, Mars detriment, because <laughs> the opposite sign to Taurus is Scorpio, which is one of the places Mars
0: rules. <laughs> yes, you know, it's funny to think of like trying to mix those signs and what happens. Like you think of trying to beat somebody up with like her fan right. or something, you know, yeah, and right. or you think of Mars trying to plow his field with like a scalpel or you know or yeah, like a knife <laughs> It just or doesn't makeup work brush. all that well. Yes. <laughs> We're going to talk not just about the agricultural and fertile qualities um, and the value of fine things, but also money. You know, there's a yeah. there's a real well, that's comfort a with money. That's the
1: ultimate possession is money. Exactly. It's how with you al- know things resource, are valuable. Yeah, mm-hmm. Taurus is all about resources, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and things of value. So what's the ultimate resource is, is cash money. Cash money. The other contrast I think of when I think of the transition from from Aries to Taurus is the irresistible force meets the immovable object.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was listening to the astrology podcast just earlier today. I was listening to the Taurus segment and they're like, you know, if you want a tourist to kind of change the way they are, you're going to have a long wait. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, very long, or maybe never. But yeah, they might. Yeah. But
0: yeah, yeah, they're definitely like the strong, silent type. Yeah, we both have a lot of experience with that tourist energy, because we're married to it's, fix. You know, yeah, it's very, very good in a crisis, I find, though, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yeah. very rooted,
1: the, the rooted, grounded quality is that's what you want around you in a crisis. You don't want Somebody who's going to run around like a chicken with their head cut off and freak right. out, you know. You, the the right. that's what I appreciate about the the fixed energy is that it doesn't do that so much.
0: Yeah, and they have stamina. You know, it's like once yep. takes a long time to get going, maybe, but once they get right. going, right. you know, it's just like they can just keep going all day. You know, really. Remember that story we told about like finding the boulder in the road and how the yeah. you know the aries jumps with his mountain climbing equipment and jumps over it and the and the Taurus just like drills through it for seven years <laughs> you know, and eventually there's a road whereas the virgo just like or goes the sagittarius just goes around you know i mean it's just there you adapt <laughs> yeah. so shall we look at the the hierophant in terms of these yeah. qualities. I, I suspect that when tarot readers encounter the zodiacal correspondences for the first time, maybe a bunch of our tourist friends might be disappointed <laughs> to, to yeah. realize they're so sensual and they're so sexual and, you know, such lovers of beauty and you give me the hierophant, you know. Yeah, I,
1: I, I know. You know. I've heard that many <laughs> times. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think with all of these zodiacal qualities, really... I mean the majors we have to look beyond the the initial facets uh, that we see on the face of the majors because there's so much going on just beneath the surface. Yeah. Especially with the Hierophant which it really is such a profoundly spiritually sexual card. It's just not yeah. shown on the on the face of it. Right. The Hierophant is literally the bridge builder, the union the of the, the nail. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the marriage of the divine and the mundane, but it's also coition. It's also the joining of male and female, you know, or masculine and feminine forces, yin and yang. It's yeah. the bringing yeah, together. The, that union and
1: joining. I mean, it really fits both with the nail and with the, uh, even with the bull and the plow, they're connected by the yoke. That's Also
0: the lock and the key.
1: <laughs> yep. Right. There, there's some sexual um, symbolism there that's kind of subtle or,
0: or not so subtle. <laughs> the, he is the keeper of the keys. And, you know, where there are keys, there are doors. Traditionally, interesting because the mm-hmm. uh, the empress is the door. Right. Right, right, right. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it was once the hierophant was a card of marriage. It was meant to symbolize that. And it's just that meaning has drifted away over the years. And it's sort of like now we tend to read it more as an institutional kind of solidity. But it's all connected.
1: It's interesting, too, like the way our modern attitudes are about like a priest figure as compared to, you know, the the word hierophant or-
0: mm-hmm.
1: comes from the Eleusinian mysteries, you know, it it was always more associated with that pleasures of the land kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. To render the land fertile, you would have... A hedonistic festival, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> you would yep. have orgies. You would have all sorts of people getting it on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know the the those mysteries. They were the basically the rites of Demeter, Venus. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. Demeter and Persephone, and those those stories about the Earth's fertility and fecundity.
0: Right. If you think about the qualities of Taurus as expressed in the card. There's a number of things you can see. I mean, like on the Thoth card, you can literally see lots of Taurus imagery, Mm -hmm. you know. He's sitting on a bull and the elephant, et cetera, Elephant, yep. Right. And we have the four fixed signs in the corner. And there's the
1: Venusian figure in the
0: foreground. Exactly. The woman satisfied. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And the rose window in the background. And in the Rider-Waite-Smith card, I think that the stone pillars really kind of are a reminder of the solidity, the sort of like not going anywhere qualities mm-hmm. of Taurus. But the keys... To me, those are specifically about that idea of union, sexual union and transmission, the idea Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is how you're going to get from one place to the other. I was thinking about this and trying to think, you know, sort of what aspects of sex we were talking about. And it's not specifically reproductive, you know, it's really more about the sort of recognition of the other, taking the other into yourself, exchanging, I don't know, the cosmic rhythm of sex, (laughs) you know, in the sense that it's by sustaining that interest and that sort of excitement in the other, that's what creates fertility. That's what causes the flowers to grow. That's what attracts the bee. It's that mutual attraction and magnetism, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's Venus's major quality to draw things to her.
0: Yeah, and pleasure, really. You know, I was just thinking about how strange it is that the six of pleasure is not the six of pentacles, but the six of cups. But there's something interrelated between those two. Well, you know, sexy sixes. We say that all the time. In the Rider-Waite-Smith card, there's always those two acolytes. There's a quality of teaching about the Hierophant that I think is also part of Taurus. Yeah. I mean,
1: the
0: the word means something like revealer of the mysteries. Exactly. That's exactly what it means, revealer of the sacred. And it's like, in order to reveal it, you need to have an audience. (laughs) You need to have someone to share this with. Yeah.
1: That's your function as a bridge, yeah.
0: Yeah, and though we don't necessarily think of Taurus as a teacher, we always think of the Hierophant as a teacher. So there's, you know, there's, there's something about that, um, I don't know, the patience and the willingness to get the message across, no matter how long it takes. Mm. Yeah. There's something also about the role of the church as a, you know, as a tender of the flock, you know, I mean, again, with the agricultural metaphors, there's this idea of the church as a guardian, as a safe keeper. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's also a bit of its tourist bunch. A sanctuary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, you know, banks are sanctuary for money. Church Mm -hmm. is sanctuary for people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's because of my own chart, because I have taurus on the nadir but i always associate mm-hmm. taurus with the homestead Makes the comfort sense. the comfort yeah. of home the homestead where you grow your food and have your your pleasures
0: yeah oh yeah we should probably talk about the planetary and elemental majors that go with that we've yeah, got yeah we kind of mentioned them without without mentioning that first <laughs> right and uh, and that's the empress of course for venus and you mentioned that she's associated with the door Dalit. Yep. Dalit. yes exactly, the Hebrew letter Dalit. I think that she's the great mother figure. I think that she is the source of the fecundity and fertility of Taurus. Um, And, er you know,
1: it's interesting that she is associated with alchemical salt. And I always Mm -hmm. think of Taurus as like another keyword for Taurus is salt of the earth.
0: Mm, That's good. Yeah. Um, And also she's a Demeter figure, you know, and I think of like, if you think of the Empress And her relationship with the world, the world being, you know, the elemental major. Yeah, 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 the world is the daughter, too. We are all the daughter, we are all the mother. But there's something specifically in this sort of like, generative and regenerative qualities of the earth and the world card that kind of refer to that story of mother and daughter. I think of actually uh, all stories of Earth as having something to do with the return of the daughter to the mother. If you look at the Persephone myth itself, and maybe we should talk about this in the myth, but there's like the separation and the sort of bringing underground, and then there's the return. And you can kind of see that in that Capricorn-Taurus-Virgo sequence, the mm-hmm. darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a thought that in from going from Aries to Taurus, we kind of go from swords into plowshares. That's like Mm -hmm. you conquer the land, now you have to grow stuff on it. So everyone swords into plowshares. Yeah. 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 If we talk about the separate decans of Taurus, the linchpin of, is, of course, the six, which is, is that associated with Beltan? It probably is. Yeah. Yes, it is. So that's associated with Beltan, which is, you know, the May Day festival, the planting on one side, harvest on the other, if you're talking about hemispheres. I think what I associate with these three decans is, you know, if you break down the decades of worry, success and failure the first one is kind of like the possessiveness of the bull, you know, the the worrying about not having yep. enough resources um, and right. what you're going to do about that. And then the second one is it's libido, <laughs> I right. guess, you know, um, and
1: generosity and generosity yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and enjoyment of
0: sense pleasures. <laughs> yeah, Ferdinand the bull. <laughs> yeah, watching flowers exactly, but also the you know prolific. Uh, the prolifically fertile qualities of the bull for the seven of pentacles or discs. I actually think of the patience and stamina of the bull or ox really Definitely,
1: with Saturn you know. ruling the deck in the endurance yeah. aspect is,
0: is, there for sure. Yeah. I'm just thinking of that long, long day of, um, you know, in the hot sun and how the, how the ox or bull just steadily works away until it's time to go home. No matter what, you know, you don't get to see right. the results.
1: But. It's, it's, yeah. And, you know, like we talked about in the episode, that, that seven card is where the six is the Garden of Eden, you know, fertile right. and, and growing. The seven is the fall where it's expulsion and man condemned to everlasting toil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes yeah the the five looking ahead to the six and the seven looking back to the six each of them trying to achieve that perfect moment that will allow food to germinate and for the species to survive
1: when i look at the the wait smith cards they're mm-hmm. especially they remind me of taurus's motto of i have because it's kind of like the haves and the have-nots you know you get that yeah. central beckon of generosity and having and, and and sharing the wealth there and
0: then uh
1: on either side there's this this lack this not having
0: the thoth five of discs does such a good job of representing that you know inverse pentacle the the matter over spirit thing mm-hmm. where it's you know th- this obsession with trying to make sure there's going to be enough
1: right because it's the mercury ruling the Deccan, so it's the mind thinking about what it has or doesn't have
0: exactly or
1: worrying about what it doesn't have or may not have
0: Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Deccan imagery for all three of them is so agricultural, more so than kind of others. I don't know, they all seem to have to do with like, <laughs> with like, going to war or, or working the land or, you know, there's not, there's some merchant trade. Kind of yep. Deccan imagery, too. But this is specifically about working the land. The very first one mentions the, that exact phrase, the geometry.
1: Notice the second one.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, they both do. And the first one is more mercurial. So, in terms of, of knowing the arts of geometry, the, the laying out of the fields and the right. sort of, you know, plan- plotting out the garden. And the second one, in terms of working the land, oh, this is the one, the nude man with a key. <laughs> Yes, quote unquote, the key in his hand. (laughs) Interesting because it's signification has to do with nobility and rewarding the people. Sometimes you see them see the figure as the nude man with the key. Sometimes he's like a ragged figure with a torn shirt and a body like a camel. I don't even know what that means. Yeah,
1: I think Picatrix has him covered with torn cloth. And and then in yeah. the grip, he's, he's naked with the key, quote unquote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So maybe the naked with the key thing has to do with like having the keys to the strong box and, you know, yeah. largesse of giving out the... The what people need, you know, yep. getting the stimulus check. <laughs> huh. But you know, but it's funny. The the weight actually has kind of both images on it. You know, the guy handing out stuff, and also the ragged people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. And then the final one: yeah. sloth, poverty, misery, necessity, body like an elephant. <laughs> tricks man. Yeah, uh, but also, yeah. they have the, uh, I think it's Agrippa who has the guy with, in one hand, a serpent, quote-unquote serpent, and yeah. the other, <laughs> an arrow. A dart, quote-unquote dart. Yeah. He's got to- <laughs> That's a fairly forbidding figure and kind of cryptic, but maybe what he's yeah. doing is safeguarding what he's worked on, you know, in these decans. Right. I don't know.
1: I mean, what do serpents and darts have in common? They, they both, <laughs> you know, have well besides being extremely <laughs> fat, like, uh you know they both pierce well yes so does, well yes <laughs> yes that's true
0: that's true <laughs> yeah and also serpent as you know being a creature of the earth you know being close to the earth being in some senses saturnine uh you know and it also reminds me of like the serpent being the cause of the everlasting misery of man having to work for his living kind of a thing. But um, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, the significations of Agrippa say necessity and profit, also misery and slavery. But that's interesting, you know, yeah. necessity and profit. It, you know, it kind of shows that Saturnine aspect.
0: It totally know. does. It's sort of like, you know, as opposed to what life was like in the Garden of Eden where everything was provided, for you, literally in Providence. You know, this is where you you really have to sweat. You know, you live by the sweat of your brow to make yep. things happen and to uh, take care of yourself. And I think that the difficulty of that is expressed in the seven of mm-hmm. discs, yeah. Right, it isn't just handed out to you. <laughs> no, you have to work for it, and sometimes even then you're going to have problems. <laughs> you're right, it's not guaranteed. And yeah. you have to persevere and try again. The kind of magics you can do In Taurus, according to Agrippa, there's something you can do in the first phase of Taurus where you can cure hot infirmities. You know, um, because it's Taurus is cooling; it's Venusian that way. And Earth is cold and moist, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. But there's also love spells you can do, um, which makes a lot of sense. Exactly. That whole six of six of um, Pentacles sort of success. Success and love kind of thing. But the images of these spells, both of them have like a maiden, which you expect with beautiful hair that's spread out. That's very Venusian. But the one for the love spell is so disturbing and <laughs> and so sexual. I mean, it's like it's a naked maid holding a looking glass, but there's a chain around her, which is held by a man. <laughs> and there's a Cupid-like looking over them and the man what's interesting is that like the man is holding the chain in one hand but he's like you know stroking her hair with the other so there's like an there's a, there's a having and a holding and a possessiveness and mm. ownership that's very disturbing and also very Torian. but also a sense of of longing for someone of wanting to take care of someone Cupid, yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Of of loving possession. So problematic. Very I guess seventeenth century, but yeah. <laughs> you know. But at the same time you kind of get a little bit of the sense of the Deccan and, and you know, the arts of Venus, who is often actually herself described as having as holding people in chains. You know, it's not she's necessarily
1: right, the girdle, yeah, or the magic girdle, yeah. The
0: And there's also something I think in the Orphic hymn yeah, you know, that she holds people in like golden fetters or something like that. You know, unbreakable <laughs> fetters. Um, and it's also interesting that Cupid's in the imagery because
1: not only mm-hmm. is Cupid the son of Venus or Aphrodite, but you know, Cupid's or mm-hmm. Eros' function mm-hmm. was to to bring things together, to to you know, to yoke them together, to to connect them, yes, and create desire. And and it's also interesting because I associate. Cupid, you know, because of the Thoth card with the the next sign, Gemini. Mm-hmm,
0: it's for kind sure. of like a progression
1: yeah. there. Yeah. The lupt, you know, once you bring things together, well, then they...
0: Right, right, right. And also, didn't they have... Uh, I'm trying to think of the children of Aphrodite and Ares. I mean, there's different versions. Um, they had Phobos and Deimos, Panic and Fear. Mm-hmm. But also Great. Eros and Anteros, I've heard. Anteros being unreciprocated love. And Harmonia. Harmonia Mm -hmm. being. um, I think that was the only nice one of their. (laughs)
1: The only nice one, (laughs) frankly.
0: Yeah, they were either like terrible or mischievous. Harmonia Harmonia definitely didn't
1: want to go to the family reunion. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And there's something in here about, in that final decan, I think, about humility being, which is literally being close to the soil and Mm -hmm. remediation, trying to make up for things that have gone wrong. Um, That's a double Venus card, too
1: as a seven venus has mm-hmm. a seven mm-hmm. netsock mm-hmm. and and venus right, as right, right. ruler of taurus
0: right but then point. combined
1: with saturn which you know they don't make yeah. happy bedfellows
0: as they say <laughs> it's complicated <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. another function of taurus Deccans, i think you can give beauty but also make people pleasant and cheerful which we all could use <laughs> yeah for sure All right, so shall we talk a little bit of mythology?
1: Yeah, okay. You know, Taurus the bull. There's, let's see, there's definitely, we already mentioned Demeter and Persephone's Mm -hmm. story, the Eleusinian
0: mysteries. Oh, yeah, you know, a good bull story is the bull of heaven, you know, um, the Ishtar Gilgamesh one, Mm -hmm. or Inanna Gilgamesh, yeah. So Gilgamesh, you know, foolishly spurns (laughs) the advances of Inanna. I
1: associate that one with the five. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. invokes or the bull of heaven as kind of like a destructive force and says she's going to mm. break the gates of heaven
0: so that the dead can become alive and eat everything and everyone or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> right, right. This incredible, powerful force. And then the struggle between them in which he succeeds in the six and conquering the bull of heaven, but then is punished for it yeah
1: you know yeah so Gilgamesh and Enkidu are part of that myth and and Enkidu gets sick and dies but not Mm -hmm. before he has a dream that kind of foretells his sickness and death he dreams of having being dressed in rags that brings in like the imagery again and 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 having nothing to eat but dust and yeah he does he does end up dying and that spurs Gilgamesh on to like his his quest for eternal life
0: because he's afraid. Yeah, there's a real um awareness of mortality in this sequence. In the five, yeah. Yeah, yeah especially there's a, the five. Yeah, but in I can't. Sequence, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I came across this really great myth of the Lakota Sioux that works fantastically for the 5 6 and 7 of pentacles it's the myth of white buffalo calf woman and it begins with like a drought a famine which is the yep. 5 of course and uh the Lakota Sioux send out their two of their warriors to hunt and yeah and they encounter this beautiful maiden you know Venusian maiden maiden mm-hmm. mysterious maiden and one of them kind of approaches her in a lustful way and is incinerated in a cloud of ash but the other one bows down before her and this is kind of that six of pentacles moment bows down before her and she reveals herself to be a goddess and gives him the rites of the Sioux, which are these seven rites, like including the peace pipe rites, but they're basically how you're gonna work the land, how you're going to survive, how you're going to live in harmony with the land. There are seven of them, which makes me think of the Seven of Pentacles. The um mm. the idea that you work these rituals not knowing, you know, someday there she's kind of like the Arthurian legend. You don't know if she's ever going to come back. She has that kind of myth of coming and then vanishing. Mm. Um but you wait if you keep the covenants, the seven covenants you've been given, then you will flourish. You will be able to survive. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. It's a good one. What about um, Aldebaran, uh, Eye of the Bull? Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that. Yeah, Eye yeah, of the Bull. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that's the uh, Royal Watcher of the East means the follower. There's kind of dual dual meaning to the follower, you know, the follower as the the, the plow-following the bull mm-hmm. or the Pleiades. It's the the constellation of Taurus follows the Pleiades in the sky. The Pleiades is kind of embedded in it. Um, the Pleiades is like in the bull's neck, mm-hmm. and the the mm-hmm. um, the Hyades. That's the other star cluster. So the Pleiades is a star cluster of seven stars, and so is the. Oh right, Hyades. yeah. Again, um, seven major ones. Like there's actually more they've found, but but they're yeah. both associated with both like reaping and sowing, and with tears and and rain. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's the eye kind of the bull,
0: of, isn't it? The sort of red yeah. eye of the bull. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes
1: they say the Pleiades is a cluster of grapes um, that at certain times of the year when um, when they're setting in the West, it looks like Orion is leaning over to pick them. <laughs> so Orion's kind of associated a little bit because of the Osiris myth, and Osiris was often... Per- portrayed as a bull which is oh for sure
0: oh for sure yeah and also the fact that osiris his sacrificed body was said to fertilize the land as well to make the crops mm-hmm. to grow yeah
1: yeah so the osiris isis myth you know the inanna and uh or not inanna but nana and utu is the sun and sun and moon would it be associated with the six being both associated with both oh, yeah. the moon Ruling right. the Deccan and the sun as, because it's a six, the sixth Sephira. Right, ruler of the sixth Sephira. Then
0: yeah. there's, you know,
1: the Adam and Eve thing in, in the six, and then the, the after the fall in the seven.
0: Mm-hmm. In the
1: seven, there's all those um, sacrificial myths, like, you know, the seven sacrifices to the Minotaur, the seven weeping sisters of the Hyades, the um the seven lean years of Pharaoh's dream.
0: Right, right. Oh, and there's also the myth of um Minos, you know, the the bull of yeah. Poseidon, you know.
1: Yeah, so so Minos one of the myths associated with Taurus, I almost forgot about that one, is Europa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Europa was the mother of Minos or Minos.
0: That's right, that's right. And, yes.
1: And that Minos was you know, his wife was um Pasiphae who was cursed by Poseidon into Having lust for a white bull and who she ultimately mated with with the help of Daedalus, right, and and
0: conceived the Minotaur, right, 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 right. Yes, yes. And what happened it was a punishment because Poseidon sent Minos this beautiful white bull, and instead of killing it, he you know, he kept it for himself, having and holding.
1: So (laughs) Poseidon was rightly pissed and said, Okay, well, I'm gonna make your wife fall in love with this bull you wanted and see how you like exactly. that exactly <laughs> and, and then um, there's also io who i think was turned into a cow by hera because of zeus's you know <laughs>
0: infatuation mm-hmm. with her and when zeus approached europa he, it, he came he in, the as, in the form of a, form of a bull, bull of yeah, a peaceful carried her yeah off.
1: They, they call it the rape quote-unquote of europa but but it was always more like called yeah, rape and it just exactly. meant that you you were defiled by having sexual intercourse outside of marriage or whatever.
0: Right, and it also referred to the abduction part of it, you know, being taken away. And the thing about that myth is that Zeus disguised himself as a beautiful, tame, peaceful bull before abducting her, and that's how he got her to climb on his back, and then, of course, he took her away. The capturing of the bull... Uh, By Heracles, I'm just sort of like, this is not one I knew, but I just happened to look up. I think this is the Cretan Bull. Uh, It was actually his seventh Mm -hmm. task, speaking of seven. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I guess we should just cover the court cards because we need to. (laughs) So uh, in terms of court cards, we're talking about the Knight of Pentacles or Prince of Discs, the ever so patient worker of the land, the only knight or prince who who the the most immobile of them the one who's got the giant chariot whose wheels sink in the earth he or the black horse that is just standing um, just just (laughs) standing that horse is not going anywhere and they're looking over the plowed fields with the arugula helmet (laughs) this is the the one who as we mentioned in the last episode has a poor relationship with the completed task Um, The one who we want to uh, not fall asleep, but to keep working, keep steadily, you know, and I think actually the idea of completion as the shadow decan is interesting because there is no completion if you're doing your job as a, you know, as a farmer, not until way, way later in the season. This is just about staying the course and making sure that every single thing gets done um, yeah every single field gets planted any before you have any indication that anything's going to result from it yep yeah yeah there's and, no resting that time of year if you if you want to grow food right and uh and then we have the seven of discs or pentacles belonging to the king of swords or Knight of swords, and you know to me that kind of I often think of the that that court card as being rather intolerant of failure. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, not being um, able even to cope. Fear of <laughs> yes, even fear of failure his ability to cut through to to have clarity of mind to to act stems in part from his discomfort with The not knowing of the seven. Exactly. I mean, this—he's literally the know-it-all. Yep. I I often think of the King of Swords and Rider-Waite Smith as being my. I get him all the time when I'm grading. You know, failure is never far from your mind. Yeah, yeah, you
1: know, yeah, sees when I everything. See him, I'm, I'm often like, "Oh, really? No mercy."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a very soft hearted grader, but there's also the part of me that just cannot help seeing everything that's wrong. Yeah, yep. The the nine of swords is it for me very much. Which is his final Deccan is for me very much a card of writing. And when I'm in King of Swords mode, every last thing that could be better about the writing is revealed to me, whether I like it or not.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. he's mostly Gemini, but then he's got that little bit of Taurus.
0: Yeah. He's got that little bit of Taurus. And I think, you know, uh, there's a gift in the shadow of that Taurus Deccan where if, if he can learn patience from that Deccan, then he'll do much better. Yes. Um okay, so correspondences.
1: Okay, um
0: we'll do colors I
1: guess first. Yes. So uh red orange is mm-hmm. the king scale color and then uh deep indigo, deep warm olive and rich brown.
0: Yeah, all, all those very beautiful earthy
1: colors of mm-hmm. of man.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like you know when I think about the red orange going to the deep warm bra- olive and the rich brown, I you know, I don't know. I kind of think of like the way the, the soil starts and then how it sort of gets more fertile and dark and, you know, productive as you work it kind of a thing. Yep. The, the neck and trachea and voice, I guess, the throat. Yeah. And that seems to be very closely connected to the hierophant, you know, as a speaker of sacred truths. Yep. Mm-hmm, and a Definitely. teacher of them. Um, you think of the yeah. strong throat of the bull.
1: Yep, I always think as when I think of you know the throat and the voice, how many singers have really mm-hmm. powerful voices, and and I think of Eric Burden. He was a Taurus, and mm-hmm. he had some pipes. Deep, you know yeah. that deep. There is a house. <laughs> yes,
0: Peacatrics has all populated places, all plowed places. I don't necessarily think of population mm.
1: well like populace think, the people is associated with the moon which is right. exalted in taurus
0: so right, there's exactly. that yeah and actually you know th- speaking of geomancy Amissio is associated with taurus which seems very much the five of uh mm. five of discs you know that first worry of loss yeah or yeah. seven yeah yes yes actually both of them in fact and uh it's associated of with uh, quadrupeds and hooved animals, of course. Yeah, I think I read somewhere
1: that, um, you know, a Taurus is is fascinated by large animals. So, you know, if they're, <laughs> if, they, if they're at the zoo, they'll go right to the, you know, giraffes
0: and elephants. And, oh, no and, kidding. Huh. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Yeah, but that's cool. Uh, ruminants, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But also Venusian creatures like the sparrow and the dove and the swan, those guys. Mm. There's so many food and plant references for Taurus. <laughs> the <'cause> potato. It, <laughs> I know. I mean, in a sense, like so, all food, right? <laughs> yeah, all <for> Taurus, all <laughs> food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I they mean, but, food, let me tell you. Pack a snack, pack a few. <laughs> Don't leave home without it. <laughs> um, the myrtle, the rose, the clover. Apples, cedars, cherries, uh, patchouli, and vanilla—all Venusian things. Yeah, all things. Stones I think are
1: either topaz or sapphires. Yeah, copper, which is Venus's metal, obviously.
0: But also um, brass, I've heard, um, as a mixture of sort of like a more beautiful mixture and durable mixture of metals, alloys, Uh, pink, green, and blue stones too. So like rose quartz um, Mm. and. Yeah, you said uh, sapphire, um, lapis lazuli sometimes, although that's also of Jupiter. Uh, turquoise, also of Jupiter. Green, uh, so emeralds and jade.
1: Yeah, those um, are Venusian. Yeah, all Venusian. Yep. Yeah. And there's the magical powers and weapons, which... uh The secret of physical strength and something called the labor of preparation, which Which
0: sounds sounds incredibly like gardening, (laughs) but but I think it's actually has to do with preparing ritual, preparing everything that has to go into initiation. Yeah. I think of that actually of, um, for a while I was really interested in, uh, Lukumi in Santeria and, you know, and a friend of mine who is a practitioner was telling me that like being religious in that tradition means like constantly working, constantly preparing sacrifices and feasts and, you know, and it's, it's so much work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that's
1: that's a good That's a good uh, mm-hmm. keyword for the Deccans of Taurus. Sacrifices and feasts.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of toil. Physical strength, clearly. The it bull. Is, I don't know. I think it's probably fair to say it's the, the strongest of the signs. In some ways, yeah. In, so, yep. Physically.
1: Yeah, 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 physically, definitely, I would say probably mm-hmm. the strongest. Yeah. I mean, you could argue Leo
0: mm-hmm. as well, being exactly. the sun. Having the heart vigor.
1: But that's another fixed sign, so... Yeah. All the fixed signs are really strong, actually. They are. All right. The lion, the bull, the angel, and
0: the... um, Scorpion. Yeah, or eagle. Yeah. Or eagle, both symbols of strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just in different ways. Sugar. All sugary things. That's a... Sweetness. Yeah. Sweetness. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: I Mm -hmm. I think of... I think in um,
1: the Rosetta, I put honeycomb on the six of yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's nice, and the six sides too. That's perfect. Yep. And storax, storax being a res- one of those resins, sweet resins that drip off trees that you know create a sweet incense. Let's just run down some themes of some. kind of. Deal. Yep. We talked about fertility, sacrifices and feasts, food, so much food. Having and not having. Yeah. the Resources and possessions. Mm-hmm. Possessiveness and libido. Sense and pleasures. Uh, Venusian
1: pleasure through senses. Fecundity. Mm-hmm. The immovable object.
0: Patience. Conservatism.
1: Sanctuary. Sto- Stoicism. That's another very Torian Stoicism, quality, being sure. stoic.
0: Mm-hmm. Unifying mm-hmm. and connecting. That's the Venusian part of taurus uh tending the ground slow quadrupeds and ruminants <laughs> salt of the earth dealing with uncertainty with patience yep being good in a crisis being rooted uh, microcosm being, take, and being, macrocosm
1: yep being patient uh, being a connector yeah yes
0: yeah, the nail and the bridge the pontifex yep.
1: the nail the bridge the yoke the key in the door
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. I think that pretty and, much does it. And the it. potato. And the a potato. <laughs> out a minute. Uh, yes, exactly. All right. So that's Taurus, everybody. Thank you for having the stamina to join us in this plowing of the fields of Taurus. And we will be back next time with the twins with Gemini. All right. See you then. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com fortuneswheelhouse fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you appreciate what Mel and I have done here at Fortune's Wheelhouse, please consider leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. And if you'd like to support the making of this podcast and gain access to all the member perks that come with that, please consider becoming a patron at any level you like by visiting www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. You can also explore Fortune's Wheelhouse gear like T-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs and more by checking out our Redbubble shop. That's at www.redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's beautiful books, decks, and prints can be found at tarotcart.com and my book, Tarot Cases, Astrological Perfumes, and Online Tarot Class can be found at tsusanchang.com Treat yourself to the tarot gift you've always wanted because you are a hero of the astral plane and we so appreciate your support.